We are continuing our series today called I Believe as we look at the Apostles' Creed. And what we've been doing for the past several weeks is we've been going line by line through this statement of faith, which was written around 100 A.D. by pastors and theologians for two reasons. The first one was because people were wondering, what do Christians believe about God? And so they dug into Scripture, and they pulled all the truths of Scripture of who God is, and they wrote this statement of faith. It also served to combat the false teachings that already in 100 A.D. had crept up into the Christian church. And so here's who God is. And what we've seen is that each line is dripping with truths that still impact us today living in the 21st century. Think of what we've seen over the last couple of weeks. God the Father Almighty, we have an intensely personal God and an infinitely powerful God that is on our side. We've seen Jesus Christ, the Messiah from long ago, the Son of God, our Lord. We saw last week how Jesus was born into the world, true man and true God, and how he had to be 100% man and 100% God in order to win us salvation. Each line dripping with truths for you and me. And today, we come to Jesus Christ who suffered under Pontius Pilate was crucified, died, and buried. And I'm going to propose this to you this morning. Out of any line in the creed, this one is the most offensive. If you're wondering if you heard me correctly, yes, the most offensive line in the entire creed. Let's dig into John chapter 18 and 19. And, and pull out the truths and see why that is the case. John chapter 18, Jesus is before Pontius Pilate. It's early Friday morning, early uh, Friday before the sunrise. It's getting ready. Jesus is getting ready to be crucified. And here's what we're told. Pilate then went back inside the palace, palace summoned Jesus and asked him, Are you the king of the Jews? Is that your own idea, Jesus asked? Or did others talk to you about me? Am I a Jew, Pilate replied? Your own people and chief priests handed you over to me. What is it you have done? Let's stop and get the context. Remember, at this time, the Roman Empire ruled, ruled just about everything. And what they did was Caesar was in charge of everything, and he put governors in place all around his territory to rule. And so Pontius Pilate is the governor ruling over Jerusalem at that time. The Jewish people have some authority, some independence, but not really. Uh, and one of the things that they didn't have the ability to do was put somebody to death. And so they bring Jesus before Pilate, hoping, hoping that Pilate gives him the death sentence. And so what's the charge that the Jewish people bring against Jesus? He claims to be a king. And in the Roman Empire, that's a big no-no. Because there's only one king, Caesar. And so Pilate goes before Jesus and says, are you the king of the Jews? And notice Jesus answers with a question. Is that your own idea? Or did others talk to you about me? You can think that Jesus is being kind of flippant here, but he's not. In fact, it's pretty incredible. Jesus is standing on trial, and he's still concerned about the heart that is before him. Pilate, search your heart. Is that what you think? Or have others talked to you about me 
And that's why you're saying that. What do you think, Pilate? Pilate says, look, I'm just trying to figure out what's going on here. What have you done? Your people handed you over to me. What is it you have done? Jesus said, my kingdom is not of this world. If it were, my servants would fight to prevent my arrest by the Jewish leaders. But now my kingdom is from another place. You are a king then, said Pilate. Jesus answered, you say that I'm a king. In fact, the reason I was born and came into the world is to testify to the truth. Everyone on the side of truth listens to me. What is truth, retorted Pilate. Jesus says, I was born into this world for one reason. It's to testify to the truth. Interesting, isn't it? Because I think when we think of Jesus being born into the world, we immediately say, oh, he was born to die. True. But Jesus himself said, I'm here to testify to the truth. We're going to talk a little bit more about this in a minute. But notice, what is Jesus doing with Pilate? Everyone on the side of truth listens to me. Pilate, do you want to be on the side of truth? Start listening. And Pilate answers with the same existential crisis question that people are still asking today. What is truth? Pilate goes back out and here's what he says. With this, he went out again to the Jews gathered there and said, I find no basis for a charge against him, but it is your custom for me to release to you one prisoner at the time of the Passover. Do you want me to release the king of the Jews? They shouted back, No, not him. Give us Barabbas. Now Barabbas had taken part in an uprising. Then Pilate took Jesus and had him flogged. The soldiers twisted together a crown of thorns and put it on his head. They clothed him in a purple robe and went up to him again and again saying, Hail, king of the Jews. And they slapped him in the face. Jesus suffered under Pontius Pilate. What's Pilate trying to do here? He's really trying to keep Jesus off the cross, isn't he? He just doesn't have the guts to stand up and say, there's no charges, we're releasing this guy. Instead, he wants the Jewish people to have the idea that, yeah, there's no charges here, let's just release him. Instead of just leading, he backs out and gives two options. Number one, it's your custom, Jews, to release a prisoner. Should I release Jesus? No, give us Barabbas, the insurrectionist, the murderer. Give us a notorious criminal. Give him to us. Okay, well, option one didn't work, so he turns, and what does he decide to have happen to Jesus? He gets flogged, whipped. The Romans were so cruel. Flogging was a, a, a done throughout all nations at this time. That's not the, the cruel part. The cruel part was how the Romans perfected it to the point where you brought someone as close to death without actually killing them. Here's what the Romans did for flogging. They, they brought the criminal out, and there was a pillar about waist high. They stripped the criminal, the victim, naked, maybe a little loincloth over him, and then they bent him over, over the pillar like this, so his back is nice and, and out there. And then to make sure that he doesn't move, they cuff him to that pillar. And then the Roman soldiers took hand whips, and each hand whip had multiple leather whips on it. 
Each one had at the end of it a piece of lead or bone designed to rip open the back of its victim, to expose almost to the bone. And who knows how long that went on for, because the Romans didn't have a cutoff. He suffered under Pontius Pilate. What is Pilate trying to do? Trying to get the Jews to see, Jesus is no king. He's nothing to worry about. So he's flogged. And then his soldiers, the Roman soldiers, mock him, twist a crown of thorns together, place it on his head, put a purple robe on the exposed back, and slap him in the face. He suffered under Pontius Pilate. Pilate brings him back out, and here's what he says. When Pilate heard this, he brought Jesus out and sat down on the judge's seat at a place known at the stone pavement, which in Aramaic is Gabbatha. It was the day of, prepara- the, of preparation of the Passover. It was about noon. Here is your king, Pilate said to the Jews. But they shouted, take him away, take him away, crucify him. Shall I crucify your king? Pilate asked. We have no king but Caesar, the chief priest answered. Even if you deny, even if the Jews denied Jesus as the Messiah, think of that line. We have no king but Caesar. What about Adonai? What about Yahweh? Nope, we have no king but Caesar. Finally, Pilate handed him over to them to be crucified. He suffered under Pontius Pilate. He was crucified, died and buried. Pilate sends him out. With his back ripped open, the soldiers put him on the splintered cross and they nail nails to his hands and his feet. And there our God, Jesus, is suspended in the air until he dies. After he dies, Joseph of Arimathea and Nicodemus come and take his body down, wrap him quickly, and put him in a tomb where they bury him. He suffered under Pontius Pilate, crucified, died, buried. Why? These are the facts. This is the truth. But what's the truth that Jesus is testifying to? For this reason, I was born into the world, to testify to the truth. What's the truth beneath the truth? Here are the tru- here's the truth. Jesus went through all this. Why? Three reasons. And the three offend our intellect. They offend our reasoning as human beings. Here's number one. Intellect says most people are good, but truth says all people are evil. I need you to participate for this one. And I need you to be honest. Raise your hand if you think you're a good person. Oh, come on. Yeah, there you go, Christina. Yeah, yeah. everyone's being a little too modest here. Everyone's, probably because I have the line up there. If I didn't put the line up there, everybody's hand would be up. Raise your hand if you think you're evil. I would agree. I don't think I'm a bad person. I don't think all of you are bad people. In fact, I think all of you are pretty good people. 
I might even say great. I don't think I'm evil. I don't think you're evil. My intellect, my reasoning, agrees with what Luke Bryan says, the country singer. I believe most people are good. And most mamas ought to qualify for sainthood. That's what I believe. That's what we want to believe, isn't it? And you put some catchy music to those, that phrase, and we start nodding our head, and we say, yeah, I believe it. What's really interesting, if you go after the service here, most people are good by Luke Bryan, that's a statement of faith in and of itself. Almost every line begins with, I believe. And the majority of lines contradict Scripture. In fact, that very first one, I believe most people are good, contradicts Scripture. And it offends our reasoning, and it offends our intellect. Because when we look at ourselves, when we look at the people around us, we would say, I believe what Luke Bryan says. Most people are good. And so let's do a test. You don't have to raise your hand for this one. Just think it through. We think we're good, right? We believe we're good. Do you sometimes lie? Sometimes. All right, so we lie sometimes, but we're still good people, right? Do you cheat sometimes? Sometimes. Cheat on your taxes, cheat people out of things, cheat on a test. Sometimes. Okay, so we lie and we cheat sometimes, but we're still good people. Do you lust? Lust after someone who's not your spouse? Sometimes. Okay, so you lie, you cheat, and you lust sometimes, but we're still good people. Do you ever get drunk? Abuse alcohol? Sometimes. All right, so we lie, we cheat, we lust, and we get drunk sometimes. But we're still good people. All right, do we ever get envious, discontent with what God has given us in this world? And we want what they have, and I'm not content until I have it. Sometimes. All right, well, we lie, we cheat. We lust, we get drunk, and we're envious sometimes. But we're still good people. Do you ever gossip? Talk about somebody behind their back? Even if it's factual, you slander their name? Sometimes. All right, so you lie, you cheat, you lust, you get drunk, you envy, and you gossip. But we're still good people. Do you ever get angry and yell at your family, your spouse, your kids? The Bible calls that rage. Sometimes. Okay, so you lie, you cheat, you lust, you get drunk, you're envious, uh, you gossip and you rage sometimes. But we're still good people. Do you hate? Hate Donald Trump? Hate Joe Biden? Hate 
the people who hurt your kids? Sometimes. So you lie, you cheat, you lust, you get drunk, you envy, you gossip, you rage, and you hate. Sometimes. But we're still good people, right? And I know what you're thinking. Because I think it too when I hear all of it. Only sometimes. But with God, there is no sometimes. It's, there's no gray area with God. It's black and white. You're either good or you're evil. You're either perfect or you're sin-filled. You're either holy or sinner. It offends our intellect and reasoning But the reason that Jesus is standing before Pilate, suffering, dying, and being buried is not because we're good people, but because we're evil. And he's standing there to do one thing, reconcile evil people with a good, good father. And that's exactly what he accomplished for you and me. You see, the statement is true. All people are evil, and yet our Jesus, our Lord, suffered under Pontius Pilate. He was crucified, died, and buried to reconcile us to God. He's testifying to the truth that we are evil, but he's testifying to the truth that we have a good, good God who reconciled the world to himself through his Son. It may offend our intellect, but through the eyes of faith, It is so precious. Offense number two. Intellect says, I can save myself, but truth says, I need saving. I'm the type of guy that if you say I can't, I say, watch me. If I'm honest, that's who I am. Say I can't, and I will do it to say I told you so probably exposes the sinful heart that I have. But I don't know about you, but when I hear I need to be saved, I want to say, show me the plan. Show me the path. What do I have to do to save myself? And I will prove that I can do it. And God says, I have. Jesus says, I've testified to the truth. Be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect. Jesus has testified to the truth that I need saving because I'm not perfect perfect and I can't be and neither can you neither can the world we need to be saved and Jesus is standing before Pilate testifying to the truth that we all need to be saved and he's testifying to the truth of what he said earlier in John chapter 3 famous words for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe stands condemned already because they have not believed in the name of God's one and only son. Jesus is suffering under Pontius Pilate, crucified, died, buried, testifying to the truth that God loves the world. No exceptions. No sinner too great. God loves the world. 
God wants to be reconciled to the world so badly that he sent his one and only son to suffer under Pontius Pilate, to be crucified, die, and buried. And Jesus is standing there willingly doing it because that's how much our God loves the world. When it comes to our salvation, we are hopeless and we are helpless. But Jesus came to save us. It's what she found out. She was a Jewish woman running from the German Gestapo in World War II. They were close behind her and getting closer and closer and closer. And she knew it was going to be helpless and hopeless. And so she got to a town and she ran inside a house and closed the door. And she collapsed on the ground and said, that's it. I'm giving up. Just then the, the door flew open. A Christian woman was running behind her. And she said, get up. It's time to go. And the Jewish woman said, I don't, I don't think you understand. They are too close. It's hopeless and helpless. I can't escape. And the Christian woman said, you're right. They are close. And they will find someone in this house, but for now, you need to go and give me your ID. It was then that the Jewish woman realized that the Christian woman was going to take her place. And the Jewish woman looked at her and said, why, why would you do that? And the Christian woman said, because this is what Christ has done for me and more. That woman left and escaped. The Christian woman was arrested and six months later she died at the hands of the Nazis. And later on, that Jewish person became a Christian. Hopeless and helpless are you and me to save ourselves. Hopeless and helpless to save ourselves from hell, from sin, from death. And Jesus said, it's time for you to go. Give me your ID. I've come to take your place to show you how much God loves you. And he went and died to win you and me salvation. We may be evil. God reconciled the evil people like you and me to himself through his one and only son saving us from hell as he suffered, died, buried. This is the truth that Jesus is testifying to. And it may offend our intellect and reasoning, but through the eyes of faith, it's the most glorious message that there is. And there's just one more. Intellect says, I live for me. But truth says, I live for Jesus. I want, if I'm honest, my sinful nature wants to live for me, to please me. My dreams, my passions, my desires. But what has Jesus done? What has the truth testified to me? that because Jesus has done all of this for me, I want to live for him. That's what Paul says in 2 Corinthians. And he, Jesus, died for all, that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again. We want to live for Jesus. We want to live for the one who reconciled us to a good, good God. We want to live for the one who saved us from hell. We want to put to death lying, cheating, lust, drunkenness, gossiping, slander, envious. We want to put all those to death because all those are living for me and we want to live for the Savior who died for me and was buried. 
and rose from the dead. We want to live for him who was crucified, who suffered, was crucified, died, and buried. And so let's do that today and always. Let's pray, asking God to help us as we cherish these words. I believe in Jesus Christ, who suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and buried. Let's pray. Dear Lord Jesus, you have unbelievable love for us as we see exactly what you went through. You suffered so we wouldn't. You died, separated from God the Father so that we would never be separated from him. You were buried in a tomb just like we will be buried. But as we know and as we will find out in the next couple weeks here, you rose from that grave, reconciling us to God, saving us from sin, death, and hell. We cannot be more thankful. Help us to live our lives for you as... uh, out of thanks and praise for everything you have done for us. Help us to never forget just what you've done for us. Help us to cherish these words uh, because in this world, these words are offensive. They're, they offend our intellect and reasoning and yet to us, through the eyes of faith, they're the most precious things that we could ever confess and say. We thank you for everything you've done. Help us to grow. Help us to spread this message uh, to more and more people who don't know it. Uh, because you have reconciled the world to yourself through you. In your name we pray. Amen.